Welcome to another episode of. <laughs> I felt like a game show host. There. <laughs> um, welcome to another episode of Booksmitten. Come on down to <laughs> this podcast celebration. Um, we are here, happy, hopeful. I'm Jack Chang. I'm here with Heather Shoemaker and Patrick Floor Scott. Hey, y'all. Um, hey. Hey, everyone. Uh, so, Kelly J. Baptist, our other co host, um, as you might know from previous episodes, is an educator, and it's we're recording this at the end of the school year, so there is a lot of mayhem going on, and she could not join us for the recording, but she will be joining us via voice memo. Great. Um, and uh, I, neither of us, ha- or none of us here have listened to what Kelly has had to say um, in full, so uh, it'll be... Uh, a little bit of a surprise. So um, anyway, we are back for another episode. And uh, this episode, we will be talking about um, transcribing our mentor texts. Yeah, we actually did our work. Yeah. <laughs> we did our homework. We, we needed an extra, extra week um, to, to finish it. but uh, We got an extension from the teacher. We, yeah, we got an extension from the teacher. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so our homework from... Two episodes ago was um, to uh, take the book in our you know category that we've each individually selected, um, take a book that we decided was our mentor text and try and transcribe it and type it out. Um, so that's what we are going to be talking about. Um, do, Heather, Patrick, do either of you want to kick us off? Um, kick it off and tell us about your experience. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Patrick, I think we may have both chosen the same author for this week, but no, wow. anyway, I did a Lisa Wheeler text. What? Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, so so what were your mentor texts from previous episode? The previous episode. Um, I hadn't I haven't really settled on one because I'm I'm All wanting right. to find one that's that's sort of a silly concept, but also may not be in rhyme because I'm not sure that I'm going down the rhyming direction. Uh, but my, my general reaction of doing, typing this out was, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I could learn so much just by this exercise. You know, I thought I'll just do it because that's the suggestion of what to do to start out. And I learned, I thought I might learn one or two things. I probably learned about 15 to 20 I got 15 to 20 new insights just by typing out this text. So if you're listening and you're hesitating, yes, definitely grab a book. It doesn't have to be your absolute favorite. It can just be a good book and try it and see what you learn. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic way to start. What uh, Heather, what are some of those new insights that you got out of this experience? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them was simple. Um, you know, you hear about picture books being 32 pages. And I've always thought as I'm writing my own, I'd have to fill up all 32. But actually, the publisher uses some of those pages for the title page or illustrations at the end or the copyright. So, And even the illustrator uses some of those. So the text itself... Only when I started laying it out, I, I I typed it so that I put page one and then what was on it, oh, and the, the story doesn't actually start 
on the book that I chose called Ugly Pie by Lisa Wheeler. Um, it doesn't start until page five. That's where the text begins. That was just a tiny um, structural insight for me trying to write a book to realize that, no, you can't have all those pages. There was another big one. Um, I chose one of Lisa's non-rhyming books. And how much rhyming can still fit in a rhyming book, how much wordplay, how much alliteration. For example, in her non-rhyming book, she says, so with a heap of hope and a hitch of his britches, you know, old bear went off. There's lots of rhyme that can still fit in there, even if it's not a complete rhyme um, pattern. Mm. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Patrick, what about you? Uh, I, my, um, the books that I were thinking of as mentor texts weren't rhyming books. And I really thought that I would take a stab at a rhyme. And I was moved by someone builds a dream in a way that fit in with my mentor texts, like, um, uh, which are like moving books, uh, that make Patrick cry. That was my, um, <laughs> that's your category for my, my category. Yeah. Thank you. And so I picked someone builds a dream and I guess, um, the things that I learned typing it out were just how much information she could fit into so few lines. And um, structurally, uh, she has a setup that is three lines long. And normally when I think of rhymes, I think of at, like couplets. So mm. four or six or eight lines. So her first, um, her it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. or uh, And the first verse per se, or the half verse is three lines. And then the next one is, um, there's kind of a response in two lines. And then, and then the chorus is two more lines. And I, it's such a simple, simple, simple structure, but she's so, um, uh, dialed into it that it made me think, okay, like the structure can be really, really simple. Um, if the story has a lot of depth, um, her book, Boogie Nights, I think, is much more complex in terms of rhyme. There are way more internal rhymes, and um, and that story is more silly and more fun. And this one, the focus is on the story and the work that people do. So she doesn't want the rhyme to take away, to distract, and the, the any kind of silliness to distract from the seriousness of the topic. So it's a much uh, simpler and cleaner um, rhyme. So, um, anyway, it's just, just looking at how she did it, looking at how simple it can be. So within the simple structure, it's just a ton of work. I know to, for her to get it as clean and as simple as it sounds, that's the genius. That's the, that's the hard work that goes Mm -hmm. into it. But just knowing that the structure and the setup can be very simple, um, was kind of profound for me. Yeah, I, currently I'm revising a novel. And of course, a novel has a heck of a lot more words than a picture book, but they both have structures and they both have rising action. And I was looking at the, you were talking about structure, Patrick. I, I, I'm looking at the patterns and structure she has. And in, and in Ugly Pie, the main character visits three neighbors. And so the first neighbor, the same pattern happens. He smells pie, wants to know if it's ugly pie, and is told no, but given an ingredient. Um, And one time it's raisins, and one time it's walnuts, and so on. And so each neighbor that he visits, the same set of things happen. And not only is the, the, the... 
pattern of the words similar, but the actions. And after having visited all three, there's a change in the nature of the story where Old Bear goes back and tries to make his own pie. And you can even see how that change of structure is indicated by the fact that there's an extra page for pictures that pops in there so that the pattern she has established has been interrupted. It's like a signal saying, now we're going to do something different. And you can feel that the path of the story and the whole narrative arc and then coming to the conclusion of the story. So I thought that was neat how it's done visually as well as how it's done with words. Yeah, that's great. I was going to say one more thing in that there's a real arc to that story and the pattern being interrupted. And in Someone Builds a Dream, there is no attempt to create this arc, but just the repetition of itself without her forcing an arc creates this just bigger and growing profundity uh, till you get to the end of the book. So I think it takes a lot of confidence for an author to just say, you know what? This is enough. Just telling about each group of workers that gets the job done, it's enough yeah. and it's going to work. And um, and it works so well that you feel like this arc was built into mm. the book, even though it wasn't. And she just let let the rhymes and the and the repetition do the work. Yeah, I love that, Patrick, because repetition, of course, anyone around young kids knows that repetition is a great strength of young kids. They like to chant the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's words you don't even want to hear. But, you know, repetition is a great power for the picture book. And there's a lot of places I noticed repetition, whether it was the pattern repeating or whether it was certain phrases like my, oh, my, oh, my, that keeps coming back throughout different parts of the story. Uh, and, And so- to trust that, as you said, that repetition is a power and yeah. that it's something that that is essential really to a, a children's book story. How, whatever you want to repeat, whether it's a certain phrase or a certain word or a certain pattern or all of them. Cool, yeah. What about you, Jack? I So um, the my mentor text uh, from last time is Robosauce by Adam Rubin um, uh, with pictures by Daniel Salmieri. Um, and transcribing that, I also noticed um, the pattern. I noticed like repetition. Um, for instance, uh, the um, flash bang boom that is, you know, the kind of these, the, it's typically a uh, like a, you know, full spread um, with like big stylized letters. That indicates any time something gets transformed into a robot. Um, oh, wow. So that is something that repeats throughout. Um, and it kind of made me think of the way that, you know, maybe like writing a picture book is closer to putting together, like to, to writing a song, um, than it is, you know, necessarily to, to doing like a novel or, or like, like something that I think about is that there in our novels, in longer works, you do have repetition at, you know, uh, in different kinds of ways, but they're so they're spaced so far apart. Um, an example that's actually from from the film world that I think of again and again is the movie Babe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the movie Babe, there's there are these clips of um, uh, the the farmer who's played by James Cromwell um, fixing um, a, a gate to the farm, 
And like the very first time you see it, it's like the gate's like all rusty and it barely works. And then like, you know, in the middle of the movie, you see it again and it's like, it's the latch is working. Everything's like opening and closing properly. And then when you see it the last time, it's got this like motorized rig right, yeah. that automatically swings open and closed. Um, and that's like, I think that's like, you know, in a novel or in a film, that's kind of a, 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 a symbolic of the character's growth, right? Of the, the way that the story develops. Um, or um, I think um, about like Laurie House Anderson's uh, novel, um, wait, Shout? Was it, or was Shout the, or the speak one that came out? Speak, 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 yeah. Speak. Um, the way that like um, the kind of like the main character's uh, sense of self and, and development is tied to this like um, drawing of a tree that she keeps making. And it's like the, the drawing changes as she changes. Um, and so that repetition is definitely used in like longer works as well. It's just like, we are not as like immediately aware of it as we might be in, you know, in a picture book. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I noticed that. And then the other thing that jumped out for me um, is there are some like some pages where the only text on the page is it's like the only text on the page is uh, oh great that's the only thing it says on the page. Um, so I was I read that and I you know it comes after like a flashbang boom and as I'm reading that I'm thinking like they have to have collaborated in some way beforehand. It's like. It's like the illustrator it's just and the seems, author. Yeah, it just seems like such a stretch. But maybe, maybe, it, maybe not. You know, maybe it's like it works by context. But I know that like Adam Rubin and Daniel Salmieri, um, they collaborated on um, they they published Dragons Love Tacos together before this book. So I wonder if you know because of that relationship, they somehow like you know put together um, Robosas to like they wrote it co-wrote it or like they they collaborated before actually taking it to the publisher yeah. um so yeah so there the i was and it's like if if that's not what happened i am astonished i'm amazed i am so impressed um at the the resulting picture book um out of that that script it's hard to imagine which comes first in a interplay like that yeah, yeah. i actually i almost want to like see if i can figure out a way to to do a picture book in reverse order is to get an artist to do a love visual it. story. I love this idea. And then caption it like a New Yorker, you know, New Yorker caption and see what kind of like silly wacky things could come out of that. I'd love to see the result. Yeah. I, I was thinking about how the power of the pictures I was noticing in my uh, transcription, how the suspense can be built just by the page turn. And I know that having read a lot of picture books, but to see it when I typed it out, she even used a dash saying, you should give my pie a try and then a dash. And then you have to turn the page and the type of pie, which was pump and pleasing pumpkin pie, isn't known until you've turned the page. And each time it's a different kind. One time it's heavenly honey pie. And so it just small things about how the illustrations are going to interact by forcing a page change and saying, this is where the page break is going to be. And wow, what type is it going to be having that suspense there? Even if it's just something mm-hmm. silly. 
Yeah. And for the, for those who are just getting started on the picture book journey, just a reminder that like generally you're turning in text only. You don't know who the illustrator is that your editor is going to select and you have very little interaction with them often. So that's just something to keep in mind. Right. But you do know, you do know that there are going to be page turns, even if you don't know who the illustrator is or what kind Mm -hmm. of pictures or how they're going to depict your thing, you know that the pages will turn and sometimes they might decide where the page turns are. But if it's important to the story or you can enhance the excitement, then make that. I was once told that the page turn is one of the three storytellers. There's the illustrator is one of the storytellers. The author is one of the storytellers Mm -hmm. and the page turn itself is one of the storytellers. I think I'm going to write that down. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So, um, so our fourth co-host Kelly, um, recorded a voice memo, uh, telling us about her experience, so I'm gonna play it for yeah, I can't awesome wait to hear. for all our listeners too. Awesome, so here it is. So this was actually my first time typing up someone else's words on a page. It was quite the experience. Actually, reminded me of that scene from Finding Forrester, uh, where Sean Connery's character had Rob Brown's character do that. And he gave him some of his work and had him sit at a typewriter and start typing the words so he could find his words. So it was a very cool experience. I will admit that I did veer a little bit from the book I had mentioned before, Born on the Water, because I fell in love with this new book by Jacqueline Woodson, The World Belonged to Us, illustrated by Leo Espinosa. It's just such a gorgeous book. I saw it pop up on a feed or something, and I bought it right away. And I can't even tell you how many times I've read it. Uh, But it's kind of an ode to Jacqueline Woodson's growing up experience in Brooklyn in the summer. And that's actually a refrain that is mentioned throughout the book. When you type it, you pay attention to, to how often a refrain is mentioned. But in Brooklyn in the summer, not so long ago, that phrase is repeated um, one, two, three, four, five times throughout the book. This is very nostalgic. Um, It was cool to type the words out. Um, How I approached it was I just typed straight through. I did not indent anything. I did not. Uh, She didn't use quotation marks, so I didn't either. Um, It's very poetic and free-flowing, so that's how I typed it. And it came out to be about a page and a third, a page and a third, single-spaced, just straight block paragraph. Um, And then word count. I was curious to see what the word count would be on this. And um, I think that's helpful for us as we're crafting picture books to kind of get a sense for how long it actually translates into on the page. And so this one was 832 words. And I think they say for picture books, you kind of want to stay under a thousand as much as possible. Uh, So that was cool. And just the style of the book, because it is an ode to her childhood experience. Um, So very poetic. The pictures take you right into a Brooklyn neighborhood with kids excitedly getting out of school. 
Um, and so that's that's something I want to use. And I guess it is kind of creative nonfiction as you introduced that <laughs> phrase to me uh, last time, Heather, uh, because it is is telling a true story, but in a very fictional way where it could be anyone's story, even though it's tailor made to her. So I am just in love with this book. And it was really fun to type up the words. I could see using this as a mentor text for quite a bit um, of picture book ideas that I have in my head. Fantastic. Oh, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that Kelly typed it up just straight going all the way single space because not only did I break it by pages, but um, I put in where there were italics, where there was bold, because mm. the book that I was going off had a lot of, of play with the words sometimes popping out using all those kinds of different um, stylistic elements too. So yeah, there's more than one way to type it. Yeah, I think that's kind of a neat exercise to just do it straight through and then go in with your pen and and mark where you think the breaks should mm-hmm. come and the line should, should break. Um, Patrick, I remember yeah. uh, a couple episodes ago, you said you were going to uh, type it straight through and then go back and add the page breaks. Is that what? Yeah, you Yeah, I guess that's doing? what I just said, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do it. Like I, I had forgotten ever saying that before, yeah. and I just repeated Wise again. Words, and didn't do Patrick. it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's something that I need to yeah. go back and do. I, I do think having done this, that um, I want to go into other picture books that I have in my office and just yeah. go do the same thing, and I might try that. Uh, yeah, I'm it, sold yeah, too because I haven't felt like I'm completely settled on a mentor text. A lot of the ones that I was searching for that are what I would consider the silly category are way too old. <laughs> They're 20 years old or, or something. And so I was, and some of the modern books that I was looking at as possible texts, actually, they defy the rules about how many words you should have. Some of them um, were quite wordy and long and they were just published in 2021. So there's a lot of range of what's possible. Um, The book I typed up this time, Ugly Pie, was about 720 words. So very similar to what Kelly's was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is, I think there's not one way of doing it in the modern world (laughs) as far as these books go. And like you, Patrick, I want to type up some more. I'm sold on this idea of how useful it can be. Yeah. And that's interesting. Like you hear other people say, really try for 500 words. And like you say, there's more than one way to do it in this modern world. Like, and, and Lisa said in the previous podcast, it's like, do what you want, like follow your passion, do what you do, what you're, you need to do. And, um, and that's what you need to be sold on as opposed to trying to do something that the market is asking you to do or that you think yeah. the market is asking you to do. But I do think it's good to do what the child might want, you know, keep that child in your yeah. head. One of the things in the book I was typing out, it, it had, again, this is a non-rhyming book, but it had a song that kept popping up. The bear would sing a song and it was um, sweet molasses, my oh my, I'm itching for some ugly pie. And the song would change a little bit each time he sang it because he got new ingredients. But you can picture the kid that you're reading it to start to chant that around the house if you've just read that book. It's catchy. It's like a little jingle. And having something that um, is a refrain, that's something that makes it a child's ear and heart happy. 
Um, it's not going towards the market, but it's going straight to the the, the kid market. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Kelly mentioned that as well in her book, the repet- yeah. that repetition and Jack too. Yeah, yeah. That that reminds me of um, what Lisa said in the last podcast about rhyme. In that, like, you know, the rhyme has to like the choice to rhyme. It has to fit the story too, right? And I think like the the choice of like how many words do I use. You know, that also has to fit the story um, where, like, uh, I just recently read um, the picture book Bodies Are Cool by Tyler Fetter. And it's just this beautiful book about, like, body positivity and about different kinds of bodies. Oh, cool. Um, and different features of bodies. And the, re- the kind of refrain at the end of every spread, every, every time there's text, is Bodies Are Cool! Exclamation point. Um, and so that's something that, you know, it's like you might listen to some advice out there that say, says like, oh, you can repeat some stuff, but just like don't do it too often. But in that, in the case of that book, it works so well because every spread is so gorgeously illustrated and you're kind of like, you know, you're, it's one of those books where you're like, as you're reading it, you're trying to like pick out the, you know, what's written in the text in the actual illustrations and, and try to like spot like, you know, here's what the, the text is describing. And so, so yeah, I, I would, you know, again, to, I would reiterate like it, like it depends on your story and it right. depends on what you're doing. And it's about like finding kind of the techniques and, you know, constraints, constraints and different tools to, to suit that the story story yeah so um, speaking of story since this assignment was so useful i think to all of us jack do you want to get into what the assignment for next time about story question is i would love to do that but kelly actually sent us some additional questions oh, for discussion so i want to play those first anybody approach this in a unique way and I say that because I had music playing um, that kind of reminded me of childhood and summer and just the the feel of the city during that time. I had music playing in the background while I typed. Did anybody else do anything specific or kind of different as you typed up your stories? Hmm. I went the opposite way. I normally write with music going on, but I just wanted to be completely silent and focus 100% on mm-hmm. what Lisa was doing. So I went without music, which was unique for me. Interesting. I had a stack of 20 books by my side and I read them all out loud. And then I typed fast and furiously because I get things done on deadlines. So wow. I had a deadline. <laughs> um. Nothing. I, I actually, Patrick, I actually did what you said you were going to do in that I typed it out the first, whole way through and then I went back the next day and I added line breaks oh, very or page cool. breaks. Um, and it was like, because uh, RoboSauce is like, I don't even know what you would count the spread that you know wraps around the, the book, but it was, it was longer than 32 pages. I think it like, it came out to the equivalent of like a 40 some page book, at least like when I typed it out. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, that was an experience. Um, anyway, um, (laughs) uh, 
Kelly had a couple more questions, but we're also running a little short on time for this record. So I think we will save that for next time to get her questions and reflections uh, in person. Yeah, that would be Um, great. And uh, in the meantime, um, do we want to do, do we want to just jump straight into shout outs? Yeah. Talk about shout outs. So uh, I have I have one shout out um, to my friend um, and fellow author Kelly Yang, um, who has uh, today is May thirty first, and so Kelly has a new book out, a YA romance novel called Private Label. That it's uh, it's the book's birth, book birthday today. So happy book birthday to Yay, Kelly Yang and Private Label. Excellent. And I I had a fun shout out um, when I went to my local library to find some great silly books that were published recently in the past five to 10 years. I, of course, stopped and chatted to the children's librarians. And the first title suggestion out of their mouths, they said, oh, you'll love this book. It's by Leslie Halakowski. It's called Big Chickens. Um, And I I, I love it because Leslie Halakowski is another Michigan picture book author, and she is very active in the Michigan chapter of the Society for Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators. And so I've met her, and it's really fun to hear um, someone that you know say, oh, you should read their book. So we pulled that one right off the shelf if anyone wants to read um, Big Chickens by Mm. Halakowski. Wow. Great. Mm. Um, and uh, I forgot to mention, because I always do this out of order, um, our homework assignment for next time around, uh, which is um, we've taken a little bit of a, of a detour from our, our, our book, our guidebook, Writing Picture Books by Anne Whitford Paul. But now we're back, back on the trail. Um, and so the homework assignment for next time next episode will be to read the second chapter of uh, writing picture books. Um, and the chapter is about the topic of story questions. Um, it's called building a frame for your story house. So that'll be um, our assignment for next time. And then also we would want you all and we want us ourselves to um, come up with a story question um, for our mentor text Great. that we've um, transcribed. Awesome. So think about that. Yeah. Well, great. This has been fantastic, and we're looking forward to continuing the journey with all of you. This has been another episode of Booksmitten. I'm Heather Shoemaker, together with Jack Chang and Patrick Flory Scott and Kelly J. Baptist by voice memo at the end of her busy school year. <laughs> so thanks for making the extra effort to join us, Kelly. Good luck us, out there, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, it's almost summer. Uh, thanks also to Corey and Josie Schneider, who are the producers for this podcast. Please go on over to Apple and do an Apple rating if you like the Booksmitten podcast and share it with a friend. If you're in the middle of doing this picture book challenge, uh, we'd love to hear from you if we have inspired you to join. So send us a note at hello at booksmitten.us. That's our email address. And you can also put us on, um, when you use Twitter, use the hashtag booksmittenchallenge. So we're happy that you're trying this too. And if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. We are glad to be here together and we will see you on the bookshelf. See you next time. Bye. Bye.